0: Welcome back to another episode of Chad and Steve have a podcast. And for those of you longing for another guest appearance, this is the episode for you. And what a fine guest we have for you all today. He's been on YouTube for over 13 years now, has made over 3200 videos, almost a quarter of a billion with a B views and still makes some of the most entertaining and informative how to content on the platform. Jared Polin aka Fro Photo is someone I stumbled across in 2012 when I was looking to set up my or step up my photography game and I was hooked on his content in a world of boring bland videos where talking heads drone on and on and on Jared created a space where you can not only learn about new cameras and camera equipment, but you can have fun doing it at the same time. Jared was one of our very first guests on the podcast. He was also the first guest to come back for a return appearance, and he is now the first guest to come back for a thrice. Thrice? Three? Three? Ew. Ooh. Thri- a return, a return, return, a return, yeah. return, return. So let's put our hands together and welcome back to the podcast, Jared Pollen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice intro. I appreciate it. You still
1: doing the rock climbing? Bouldering? I uh, I canceled my my membership because I, uh, I don't know, I wasn't going as much because I was traveling. I may pick it up back again, uh, but I've been doing a lot more bowling. I've been, oh. yeah, I have I a bowling you were, coach.
2: You were shooting like the pro bowlers, huh?
1: Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time out with the pro bowling tour just because I enjoyed being out there and I've got some ideas to to do some stuff that we're working on things that are in the works uh, around that. And I like bowling. And when you're hanging out with all the different pro bowlers and the ball reps, they all want to send you free balls. So I've been getting different balls drilled and I have a coach and we needed to break my swing down and rebuild it back up the proper way and try not to suck.
2: Are you getting that, that good arc, that curve on on the ball? Yeah, that's that's how I throw. I'm
1: in a lefty, so I, I oh. there aren't as many lefties out there. So I use the left side of the lane, and we do. We 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 have a late finishing ball that's a hard hitting ball, and it crushes the pocket if I hit the if I hit the pocket.
2: So do you? you know, I've heard these bowlers are really in tune with the alley and how it's like waxed or oiled or is that what they what they do? There's just like it's different oiled. different patterns they use on those, right? Yeah. So there's a
1: ton of different oil patterns. And so when you go to a bowling alley, a, a, sorry, they call them bowling centers. When you go to a bowling center, uh, generally there's what's called a house shot. It's it's a more forgiving oil pattern. So you know how they say, don't cross that line. Well, you don't cross that line because anytime you see those people step over, they start to slip and slide because there's oil on top of the synthetic wood. And so it, it it's generally thicker oil, uh, around the middle and it tapers off around the outside and that's so that the ball can catch the lane and then start to rotate and spin back into the pocket so the oil doesn't go all the way down the lane it goes generally to 38 feet 40 feet roughly but that then when the pros are in tournaments they have different oil patterns that make it extremely difficult because they have to do they have to be able to read the lane kind of like golf when they're, when they're on the, uh, the putting green and they have to Figure out what ball to use because there's different types of balls. There's a plastic ball which doesn't move at all; it stays straight. There's a reactive resin, which is a technology where it reacts to the lane. It helps grab it if it's more oily. Then there's uh, polyurethane, and there's just all different types of ball stocks. Yeah, there's a whole <laughs> science behind it. That's why I'm working on something that that would you know because everybody likes bowling. Everybody that goes yeah. bowling, they like bowling. They may suck, it's but fun. they still everybody like it. can bowl, or right. at least try. It's not you get up there, yeah. you throw the ball. Yeah, and so. Yes, there's all different types of oils across the lane generally for the pros but not for the everyday shooter. And you don't say gutter ball anymore,
2: do you? That's not a Why? term. I thought it's a I, gutter heard, ball. I heard that they they were trying to get away from the whole alley gutter like they're trying to elevate bowling. Is that true? Never heard that. No, it's it's oh. a gutter ball. Okay. Is there a reason
0: why they don't say Al? I anymore? thought
2: they were saying
1: like the channel or something. I well, well I mean it is it is technically the channel, but it is a fucking gutter ball. Like, <laughs> get out of here with that. It's like calling it's like when we when when drones when DJI was coming out with the early drones and they their PR people were like, they are uh quadcopters, right? They wanted oh, to call right. them quadcopters. They're like, Don't call them drones. Okay.
0: Everybody calls it a drone. It's or a drone.
1: Uh, why do they call it bowling centers? Because it sounds more uh, high scale than uh, bowling alley. Alley. Hanging right. out at an alley. No, that's true.
2: Dark alleys.
0: So we all, we all love bowling, as in like bowling's that one thing that you do that you haven't done for three and a half years. And after <laughs> you're yeah. doing it, you're like, we should come again tomorrow <laughs> yeah, to go bowling no. again. Or I should become a bowler. Um, so did, did this experience... Uh, kind of like really just catapult a casual interest in bowling? No, uh, I've been bowling for a while. Okay. But it it what actually got me
1: to re reintroduce to the PBA and the players on the tour is there's actually a bunch of bowlers who decided to pick up cameras and start making YouTube videos about the behind the scenes of what is going on at bowling. So the one thing most people don't realize in the PBA is that you only get to see what's on TV with maybe the top five bowlers, Mm -hmm. but there were a hundred or 60 to 70 some bowlers that started five days before the TV event, bowling sometimes 50, 60 matches to get enough points or to get to a certain position to make it to the TV show. And so these YouTubers who are mid-level bowlers, they, mid to high, they, they started filming what's going on. And so you started to be introduced to these players and the different lane conditions, and they start educating you, and they start taking you behind the scenes, and that gave it more interest. I'm like, I want to
2: go out there and do some of this again. I think bowling appeals to a lot of people because it's an everyman sport. It's it's like one of the few sports where you you're just like encouraged to just like drink beer while you're playing the sport. You know, <laughs> I don't drink. Well, at I know all. you don't. I don't either. But you, it's like you know when I watch curling in the Olympics, I think this yeah. is a game I think I could do because it's basically bowling on ice, sort of. Anybody could do it. Shuffleboard. Oh yeah, shuffleboard. It's good, but you just gotta. I mean, there's so many intricacies to how you twist the. The stone yeah. and, and all of that. I'm always impressed by bowlers on how many strikes.
0: <laughs> I mean, I well, guess they're
2: professionals. They're, they're going to get strikes. But it seems like almost every shot is a strike. But I haven't seen a lot of it to know. <laughs> well, it depends.
1: So the first time I went out on the road with these guys, I've never seen so many strikes in my life. I've never seen guys striking at the rate that they strike. I mean, there were like four or five or maybe six perfect games in the first couple of days that I was out there. And they just... Yeah, they strike because they are able to consistently hit the same spots, but the more you hit the same spot, the more you wear the oil down on that spot and things start to change. So they have to actually start moving boards to the left or the right and find different paths for their ball. It's a, it, And then if there's more righties, and they depending ah. on all the different – I know this isn't a bowling show, but I find it interesting, <laughs> and that's why what I'm working on I think people will find interesting is – You know, certain balls move oil differently down the lane. And so a polyurethane ball is going doesn't doesn't suck up oil at all, but it just moves it. Plastic Mm. balls do something different. Reactive resin balls do something different. And so the more righties you have, depending on the pattern, they fuck up each other's lines as a lefty. You don't have as many people bowling on the left side. So it's a it's a different game. How much money these guys make? Well, so that's a good question, too. And that's part of what I'm working on, which is going to be more interesting, is that um, Kyle Troop, he has an afro and is a bowler, and they call him Fro. No. Yeah. Cease and desist. (laughs) Yeah. No. So we had a... I went out and photographed him for a photo story because I was like, yeah, I sent him a message one day. And I'm like, yeah, no. No, no, no. But as a friendly jibe. uh, But so... A, a major tournament, and there's like five majors or six majors in a year, is worth a hundred thousand dollars to the winner. So the top bowler gets a hundred grand. Second place ends up getting fifty. Then either twenty five or thirty for third. And by the time you get to fourth, you're down to like fifteen or ten. And fourth and fifth, you know, it starts to be even less. And then some guys just don't even make money hmm. at hmm. all. So some of the low level bowlers, some of the YouTuber guys, may make forty thousand dollars during a season in earnings. At that may be what they make cuz if they never finish on TV or get high they're not going to make a lot of money. I mean Brad Miller this one kid, he's got a YouTube channel Brad and Kyle, he finished 3rd in a masters event and ended up with $35,000, right? And his take for the year was probably 55,000. And so they make more money on YouTube yeah. doing memberships and 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 doing education and just and I hooked them up with my ad guy to try and get them more sponsors cuz they get they have a, like 120 130,000 subscribers and growing and they do sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 views a video so they're in a good growth position
0: so now we have an area of YouTube which is dedicated towards just a documenting uh, like pro bowlers on tour, or are they also doing videos which are like how-to videos, or like what what is the, what does the YouTube bowling community look like?
1: Well, so there's people that test bowling balls, kind of like reviewing different. Uh, balls but these guys that are out there they're doing educational they're doing vlog style at the tournaments so they're making people where hey today I bowled like shit here's what happened and then they show a bunch of shaky footage because that's what they do <laughs> they you know <laughs> I go out there and I start busting their balls about their content and then I hook them up with new cameras and stuff so that they can up their quality um but yeah they they do they do the, the behind the scenes they do educational stuff
2: they're all over the place Where's your headspace right now with YouTube? You like YouTube? You tired of it? No, I'm not. I'm not tired. We're we're in a in a and I say we because I talk about my
1: employees and I. We're knock on wood seems to be in a good place. Um, I know that it's ebbs and flows. Are the ebbs and flows continue? Um, I don't see massive subscriber growth anymore, and I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, I still think Reels. I know that you focus a lot on Reels and and Shorts as of late. And I, I haven't touched one. Um, I know other YouTubers have, and I looked at some of their channels where they focus for the last five, six months on just shorts and their channels have basically uh, died. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other people I look at, like I follow what Peter McKinnon's doing all the time and he does shorts about coffee or cameras. And you're looking at 2.5 million views on a short, but then the everyday content is starting to lax in the normal amount of views. Um, And that's it. It, just leaves you questioning what's happening and where are they going because I don't think YouTube's gonna I mean they're trying to compete with TikTok but at the same time that's going to alienate the the way I'm not saying you shouldn't change but also you shouldn't try to emulate what TikTok's doing because I don't like I don't like what t- I don't personally enjoy going on TikTok it just seems to be one of those time sucks where you do get sucked in and you just sit there and you swipe uh, nonstop and you see something—the things that piss me off—and I'll get back to your question in a minute. You know, you get these. How to get this? How do I get this picture? I set my camera to one second, f ten, ISO one hundred. Click, and you look at the picture, and you're like, "They composited a sky in there. They edited it to the nth degree. This is bullshit." Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, that's my 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 headspace is. We we have our method of what we feel that works for us. And we continue to do that uh we know that it's title and thumbnail driven just like (laughs) yesterday i um apple came to me a month ago around a month ago and said hey we want to do a dream studio makeover uh i was like woo dream studio makeover for me and they're like no we want to do a dream studio makeover for an up-and-comer a creator who who could use this to catapult their career and so i i talked to a friend i got connected with a kid who's dropping out of high school with the school, the school told him to drop out basically, because all he would do in class was sit there editing his videos. (laughs) And so they put him on a path to get the GED so he can at least graduate and walk with the other students. But they told him like, go do your thing. And this kid is already working with uh, athletes, different basketball players that are going to college. Some of the top ranked players in the country. And he's doing content for them. He's doing TikTok videos. He's editing, he's shooting, he's doing all of it. Um, but his computer was bogging him down. He literally said to me, like, I, I haven't been able to edit this thing because I'm out of space on my computer, and it just fritzes out." And we were like, "Well, gee, this might be the right choice." And so if you go watch this video, um, it's kind of me surprising him with a whole bunch of gear and the lead up to that. and then and then we give him an assignment where he edits the before and the after of his dream studio. But the title and key the title and thumbnail was going to be important because we knew, That a video says that Apple gave me a whole bunch of gear to give away would not do well. I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I emailed myself a title that popped into my head and I said, this changes everything. (laughs) Steven pulled out of the video. Steven's my main editor. He pulled out of the video uh, where the kid asked if he could give me a hug. He gave me a hug. We took the screen grab. I had about five or six different thumbnails to choose from. We narrowed it down to two. And it seemed like the hug might be the best choice because you don't know is someone leaving what happened. And and you know, it's a hundred and some thousand views in, in in under twenty-four hours. So for us, that's that's a really good video. It got picked up by the Apple websites, you know, the Apple Insider, Nine to Five Mac or Mac rumors, they all end up copying each other. Um, it's funny. I wonder if I wonder if the photo websites have picked it up. And the answer to that is is no, because they fucking hate me, um, which is great, because they, 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 they hate us because they ain't us, and that's what they don't like. Um, but yeah, they, whatever, they're haters. Um,
2: but what do, yeah. you, what do you think about this whole constantly having to put your primary focus on title thumbnail? Does it, does it are you okay with that, or does it just kind of over time just wear you down? Well, it's a
1: it's a big it's a it's a we spent a half a day trying to figure out what to do with it, Stephen and I. You know, titles and thumbnails going back and forth. Uh, going back during the pandemic, we did a microscope video where I got the assignment to photograph or try to get a picture of the grooves of a needle with a needle in it of a of a record, and I got a sixty thousand dollar microscope brought in, and we could we knew we couldn't name it sixty thousand dollar microscope photo. Did it work? Type of thing. I came up with, we we had like 150 titles to go with, and I came up with, did I fail? <laughs> with a tight photo of my face looking really, dejected. Yeah. Because we knew that if we didn't do it right, if we didn't come up with something good, That video, which was an awesome video, wasn't going to get seen. But we know once people click on it, they're going to stay. Our watch time is insane for all of this stuff. Photo News Fix is 70% watch time. It's a straight line when we do those. Um, Yeah, it's a pain in the ass to have to think about this. But if I go back to 2015, 2016, when I felt like my content was dying, a lot of it was my fault for just titling stuff the way that I thought, just titling it what it was. And not doing enough to... um, Think about what a better title and thumbnail would be. I also think that the re- reliance on a proper title, uh, on a certain title that's going to get people to watch, may not be good long term for a lot of channels. So, if you are just trying to get the quick views, like uh, Philip DeFranco is all about the daily news, right? So, that can be, some, that doesn't have to be a long term goal, but every day he has to fight for more views. We have some evergreen content where we put up a video and it does like 10,000 views in a day and it's our number 10 out of 10 like worst video you've put out in your last 10 that's what YouTube tells you but look back in 5 years they're going to have 7 800,000 views because they're camera user guides me teaching people for an hour and a half how to set up the camera they just bought that is such a good piece of content that brings in thousands of subscribers and creates goodwill and allows me to promote my my presets and stuff long term so it pays dividends in the long run but youtube on the other hand thinks that they want you to have success straight out of the gate on everything
0: and then compare it to the other videos regardless of the context of whether the videos can be compared right Um, what's the issue with capitalization why why does capitalization (laughs) not work in 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 like a clickbaity type of title or why do you choose to not include any kind of capital yeah
1: Oh, I, I yell all the time in my titles. Steven's the one who tries to get me not to, um, but so softer. So if it's a softer type side of me, you want to show the softer side. And you think that lowercase might be that we added a period to, to the video yesterday. We never add periods. Uh, this changes everything, period, not exclamation point. You know, sometimes we do dot, dot, dot. Sometimes I just yell during photo news fix the title, you know, Canon sucks, you know, or whatever it is. And it's not, Canon sucks, but, you know...
2: But it is sort of Canon sucks, isn't
1: it? Aren't no, you do- I, I, I've i recently switched to shooting Canon as my go-to main uh, photo camera.
2: Oh, wow. But so that's I, me I personally. Can, it's hard for me to keep up with. Well, I'm not sure. I know you don't change cameras a lot, really. I mean, you, you test a lot of cameras, but you kind of have a main camera, don't you, that you use for everything? Well, I do, and, and for years it was Nikon, and then... Yeah. Nikon wasn't quite there,
1: and I switched over to using Sony when um, the last two. When I went out on the road with Bernie, I needed something better, and the Sony was it for two years. And I could be happy shooting the Sony continually. It's just that Canon came out with something, and I and I started taking it on the road, and I really enjoy using it, and I like what I'm getting out of it. I can get great results with anything, uh, but I then I then put out a video called. capital, goodbye, Sony, (laughs) comma, hello, dot, 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 250,000 views later in a couple of days,
2: you know, it's a switching video. Do you get a lot of hate from these, you know, the different camps of people who are just like entrenched in one brand or another? And that's (laughs) got to be good for your, your videos, really.
1: Well, it's annoying because people think that like you you got paid off by Sony and that's why you use Sony (laughs) or you got paid off by Canon. You hate Nikon. You loved Nikon until Sony paid you. It's like, really? Where's the Sony money truck? Like we didn't get the Sony money truck. That didn't happen. So it's, yes, it creates this controversy. I'm not trying to create controversy. I'm not at all. I'm just saying it like it is. And when I talk about the switching video um, to Canon, I support it for 20-some minutes, backing up everything with supporting arguments and and content and reiterating to people that I am in a different position than everybody else. I have full camera kits for Nikon, Canon, and Sony. You're not going to have the same problem. You're not going to have to decide what kit to take today because you aren't faced with all those choices. More choices are problems. But I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I've got all these kits and I can go choose what I want to choose And it, and it, it, there, there's two uh, thoughts with it. One is as a photographer, I want to use X as a content creator. I need to think about why, like, why would I use this camera? What's this going to allow me to do? Because if I'm, I'm taking photos of bowling, but I also am going to turn this into content. So I got to figure out how that all works together because I can't just be a photographer because I have to make content too
0: what's the current state of sponsored videos for your channel in terms of Uh, just i guess volume or like uh, how uh, compared to perhaps whatever in 2017 2018 or whatever the you know peak or like you know the busy time for for sponsored videos was so
1: photo news fix which is a five to seven minute news three news stories in the photo world that we make fun and informative that we do each week um, was a great place to have a 45 second plug within the first seconds of a video you know Jared Polenfernos photo.com and this is your photo news fix and then I go this fix is brought to you by and so it is a perfect place for us to put plugs because it's built that type of video is built specific not specific I I didn't build it that way when I first came up with it it wasn't like oh shit I can put ads in here and Steven and I had discussions like well if you put an ad up front people are going to stop watching and it's like no we need a dedicated we need a piece of video that we can put sponsors in it's like a podcast
2: format there
1: yeah yeah but the watch through so we know that people start watching that video they're going to finish that video so the plug at the beginning is worth it uh I can see a dip you know, in the analytics, but that's because people are like, oh, the real video starts at X. It's like, you know what? There's an arrow key on your keyboard. If you don't want to watch the ad, you hit that twice and you're past the ad. Like grow up. Um, so there's that. But when it comes to a dedicated video, that's a sponsored video, we don't do many of those because a camera company can't come along and say, hey, we've got this new Nikon or Canon or Sony, and we want you to make a video about it. Now, when OnePlus, the phone company comes along and says, hey, we've put, you know, $150 million aside to do advertising and development over the next three years. And we'd love for you to take our our phone camera out for a spin and tell us and tell people what you think about it. We're going to we're going to give them a a, we're going to say we want to get X amount of dollars. And it's going to be a lot because to do a dedicated video, it's, it's a risk, but it's also how we frame it. What are the risks? Well, the risk is it's not going to be called a review mm. because what it is is a product showcase. So they are paying you to use their product and showcase it. So we never call those reviews. It's super frustrating when someone, uh, I won't name names
2: oh name names um now you have to
1: it, it's been it's been very interesting watching the transition of I Justine as she's continued to create content she's straight og she's done amazing things it's just sometimes you watch a video and it's like this is a review of this dash cam right for a car and i'm like mm, yeah i don't know that your audience even drives but they're offering <laughs> money and you called it a review. And so yeah. my problem is when you call a sponsored video a review, that's where I personally have an issue with it. I have zero problem with her getting paid for every video that she makes because that is awesome, right? And she's really good at it, and she's earned it. Um, I, as a viewer, I'm not going to watch a dash cam video that's brought to you by dash cam. Um, because yeah, especially, ju-
2: especially if you're searching for an, uh, a review of something and you land on that because that's, that's I think where that comes into play. I think her audience automatically knows that nothing is really a review because it's all, everything she does is sponsored right. content.
1: Um, but it, it's a fine line with that when OnePlus comes along. But we make sure, I point out the pros, I point out the cons in the video. I show people, I'm like, this is what I was able to do with it. This is what I could do with it. Here it is. And, that, and and the important th- the thing is that that's how you pay the bills to continue to be a creator. Um, you can get those big, big paydays from these companies. And there's nothing wrong
2: with doing that and getting paid. And, and getting back, though, what, what is the risk of that, though? I mean, as long as you're disclosing that up front. Well, the, 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 the risk for me. Yeah. When you said, well, risk kind of risky, I don't want to overdo it. I don't oh. want to
1: be seen as you can buy a video straight right. up all the time. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I don't want to see that, but a product showcase, like when certain companies come around, you know that the video probably won't do well, but they're throwing, what, what happened is there's a company that I, I would see them put out new products and then they would have 10 videos go live across, you know, put a pin in the, 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 all, everybody puts videos up at once. Cause I want to talk about that at, for, for these companies. But I saw all these other people doing these product showcases and getting paid for this product. And I'm like. Yeah, they haven't called me or they did in the past. They tried to to have me do a video without offering anything, but they're paying these guys. I told my ad guy, I'm like, these guys just contacted me. I'm going to get paid for this. And that's a video where I know that it won't do extremely well. We're still going to do a good job, a great job showcasing it. It's not going to do well, but we're going to get paid. And that payment goes a long way. And that's a video for me, right? People need to understand that we're going to get paid for that. And that's how we keep the lights on to do the other free stuff.
0: In general, are sponsored deals coming as fast and furious as they were a few years ago, or at least pre COVID.
1: Oh, I, I don't, I think they're the same for me. Um, I, I'm not sure how other, how other people are. It's just, you have to pick the right stuff, right? Like I'm not going to do a hello, fresh ad all the time that may fit in photo news fix because Hey guys, Steven, loves HelloFresh, he gets HelloFresh all the time, so it's a real thing, so Stephen can go home when the box comes, take a video of it, and I can integrate it in into the content. Um, the thing I wanted to say about this other one company is, I, I asked them if I could hold the video a little longer, and not release it at the time they wanted it re- released, and their answer was, well, we're trying to trick the YouTube algorithm yeah. <laughs> by having everybody release their content yeah. at the same time, and I'm like, I'm like do you understand that that's going to have the reverse effect of what you want because if you have 50 channels putting up videos all at the same time about the same thing everybody's feed's going to get filled with this if they follow the same people and they're going to be like I don't want to watch this or they're like these guys paid a lot of money to get all these guys to do it and then nobody's videos really do well but
2: we do it We'll do it. They wanted it that way, and we got paid money. You see this everywhere. You see this in the whole makerspace on YouTube and woodworking, where they'll, there'll be these companies and they just like blitz all these channels with like a product, and they, they just like you say, they want you to release it all at once. So a few years ago, there was a company making these DIY, CNC machines that would cut out things. and it was you had to build the whole thing yourself. and it was kind of notoriously finicky to put this thing together. and everybody was doing those and then after the dust settled like you know less than a year later like almost all of those were just sitting there nobody was using those things
1: yeah and another prime example and this is going back i don't know five six years there was a company that that was trying to get every photographer to promote their product at once and they were offering big money uh, good money i don't even remember what it was but i hated their product it was garbage I was just like, no, I want the money, but I'm not doing this because I don't believe in this bullshit way that they're running their business. And they ended up just disappearing real fast because they they, they get this influx of cash. And they think that if they just spend it all on this bullshit marketing, it's going to work. But if you have a
2: shit product, it doesn't matter. So I'm not I'm not touching shit products, regardless of the money, Yeah, especially when word gets around and people start you know leaving comments about the product that you're advertising yeah. in your video. It's that's, that's a lose lose. Yeah. Uh, look, we in, in, in
1: we focus heavily on promoting our own products as much as possible. Our presets are you know knock on wood things that continue to sell every day. And sometimes you sit there and you're like, Well, we didn't put out a video for three days, but how did we do this much in revenue? It just happens because it's when you have 400, 500 videos or 300 videos over the last couple of years that promote these products, and people find that piece of content at that point they buy. It's just really a a great way that, a great thing that we've found that that helps our business tremendously. It also is something that I try and uh, mentor other photo creators on YouTube to do. I'm like, stop taking the $1,000 or the $1,200 dedicated uh, plug and start plugging your own content. Be, plug your own product. Make your invest in yourself. So instead of plugging someone else's bullshit, you're like, hey, guys, you know what? I've got this thing. Support me. Buy it. And it works. You just have to get these other creators to actually listen and, and do it. And when they do, they're like, oh, my God, I just made, uh, you know, 30 grand this month selling this product. Okay, well, that's a hell of a lot better than doing a couple of shitty dedicated videos where you just did it for the money, but not really pushing the needle for you.
0: When you're putting together your production schedule, do you... F- we don't have a production schedule. The lack of production schedule. Yeah. So how do, you approach, how do you approach your videos then? Do you, do you make the videos for what people want to see or do you make the videos that you guys want to make?
1: Yes. Yeah, so good question. Um, I guess technically we have a production schedule because every week I do photo news fix. That's a thing. Um, which we, tr- we focus on videos that we think are going to do well. Uh, I've never been a big proponent of, I mean, except at the very beginning, having people drive the content that you make. I have a good idea of what's going to do well for, for our channel. Um, so we know if a new camera's coming out, we're gonna do a preview of it and go over the specs because people are gonna be interested in that. We got lens videos, the lens initiative, we do those. So, <coughs> hold on, I, I swallowed water, <coughs> which happens. Um, uh, We we know what we need to do, uh, but we don't
2: really produce things that far out in advance. What do you think about the the new wave of Photography channels coming up on YouTube is is that a thing? Is there a lot of new guys coming into this space? No, there's not. A, I haven't seen too
1: many people that shoot up. There, there were some in the in the resurgence of channel subscribers in the 2015 2016 era when Peter McKinnon came along and and exploded, uh, and a couple of his friends have have continued to make content. But then there's been people that that had like they got a million subscribers and their channel gets about thirty thousand views a month because they just couldn't sustain and they just ended up dying on the vine Uh, and then switching to other content, financial news content or working out content. And that's what those channels
2: started to switch to make. Um, So the photography space on YouTube is, is kind of stable with just like the same handful of high level creators like yourself and Peter McKinnon.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, Occasionally there's some people that, that, that try to come out, but there, there's, Not a lot that will skyrocket and stick around for long. It just, I haven't seen it recently. I also try not to pay attention too much to others at this point.
2: Are the other other photographers also working photographers? Because I think that's one of the things about your channel that's interesting is that you also are actually a photographer.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm actually a photographer, but I'm not a working photographer. So this is a thing that creates a lot of, uh, you know, I went on this one person's, somebody who wants to try and be a YouTuber and they make really terrible content and they left comments on my, my video, like you'll never come on this. You'll never come on my podcast. I dare you. And they, I was like, okay, I'll go on your podcast. And so I went on, I went on their podcast and they're, they're big Nikon fans. Right. And they think that I'm out to get Nikon since I switched to Nikon. It's true. Nikon has had a tough couple of years, three, four years, where they just have been way behind and they're still behind. And it's the truth. And it's bared out in the content that I make using the stuff. It just whatever. So I go on their channel. And the first question the guy asks me because there's there's three of them. I told him I want this one guy on um, because this guy talks a lot of shit on me. And I want to I want to talk to these people to their face. Um, and the first question that the, the guy running it asked me is like, so set the record straight right now do you get paid to make favorable reviews for companies? And I said, I said, are you fucking kidding me? I said, of all the questions, that, that's the question you choose to ask? I'm like, fuck no. I'm like that, And so it just keeps going where they tried to have these gotcha things. And if you read the comments of the video from their followers, they're like, uh, he made you look like, you know, Jared made you guys look like the amateurs you are. He comes onto your thing and you're trying to get him in something, and he just ha- took every question that you had and fucking hammered you into the ground. And that's, and part of the reason I went on was to just, I have, you ask me whatever questions you want, I'll give you the straight up answer. And it's just like, you've got me here. Why are you asking, wasting my time? And so you can see the difference between amateurs who aren't going to go anywhere because they just don't get it. They just don't get it, and that was evident when you watched this video back that these guys, they're going to be low-level the whole time because they're never going to get past themselves because they just don't have it. That's not saying that someone can't grow over time because you can go back and look at my videos from day one and see that you can continue to grow. I thought I had something, right? But these guys... To, it, it brings it back to your thing about the working photographer is they have this whole thing about YouTube photographers versus real photographers and how if you're a YouTube photographer that you your voice shouldn't really matter because you're not a working photographer. And I keep coming up with the same statement that I tell everybody who asks me to do a job. no, I cannot do it. I, you cannot hire me is what I say at this point because I do not want to be beholden to other people's expectations. That's what I say. And I am in a position where I make plenty of money to afford the ability to say no to things coming in because I don't want to be beholden to someone else's expectations. I don't want to go out on a shoot and have someone be like, oh, you should be doing it this way or, oh, you didn't do this. I don't want to hear that. That doesn't mean I won't go do shoots. I that's will do it see, on that's my That's what I terms.
2: consider. I consider that a working photographer. Somebody who goes out. You're shooting the PBA. You shoot. You shot your whole your your Bernie series. But I book. do that for myself, right? But that's yeah, stuff but that's that that a I working photographer. To do. Yeah, yes. exactly. But it, you are working in the craft the of photography but
1: i'm not looking to get paid for you know from certain things like i won't take a wedding and i don't do portrait shoots but i'll shoot what i want to shoot if someone comes along and they want to do something sure um it's been a while since i've gotten paid to do shoots because i just don't i just don't want to be i don't want to listen to someone they don't know what they want i'm going to do let me do my job the best thing that ever happened way back in the day like uh when i did these uh, internet marketing events and I shot them. There's this one guy, Yannick Silver, who was big and he's a cool guy. And he's like, we want you to come and do this. And I'm like, do you want to have a call to go over what you're looking for? He's like, no. He's like, you're the professional. You do what you need to do. I'm going to stay,
2: stay out of the way. That's what it takes. Are, are wedding photographers, is that kind of considered like bottom of the rail? No no I would not what's the hierarchy of professional photographers or is there what I don't don't think there's a high I mean there so a lot of the low Uh, level status I guess
1: I I don't know like does does shooting for Vogue or Rolling Stone or any of that have more status oh yeah sure it it, does it it may (laughs) some of those people are just flat out assholes right (laughs) like I we dealt with one guy um, at a Sony event pre-pandemic who is a well-known photographer, tons of Rolling Stone covers. Um just I absolutely just dis- I wish I spoke up at the time because how he treated the model really pissed me off in front of everybody that I should have been like, "Hey dude, what the fuck are you doing?" cuz his his thing was model name, model name. And she was like, "Wow." You know? And and I just wanted to be like, "Dude, why couldn't you just have said walked over and said hey i'm sorry i I forgot what your name is could you remind me of what your name is <laughs> instead dick. you're like model name wow. and nobody said anything to him about this in front of you know his assistants or that. and people are like well he's a big deal he's a diva and I just was, uh, yeah i was just like that's not how you treat someone around every and i i would have loved to have i have nothing to worry about if i do that so i speak up now, you know, I, I've always tried to speak up in situations where someone was being wronged. It's just in that case, I, I didn't react and I didn't say something. Um, I wish I did uh, because that was I, and I don't care if he would have left or bitched or complained or he was getting paid by the company to be there. I didn't care. I'm, a, you know, I'm not working for that company right? If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. People have put me in my place for doing stuff that I shouldn't have said or shouldn't have done or didn't realize the way that I was saying it or how it came out was wrong. And I feel like an asshole when that happens because they're right. And so sometimes you need to be put in your place. Some, a lot of times I'm the one who does, who, who says things and I could be right. I could be wrong at times, but sometimes you just need to say it and, and who cares what they, they, they do for you or do
2: to you. Um, yes. Hierarchy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I feel I've yeah, had I had a photographer once it. once tell me that that wedding photography is about the most stressful kind of photography. Wedding photography is extremely stressful. So it's, an it's a one day. shot. You got you got one shot at it, and you got a very both. important day for the people who are mm-hmm. who are getting their pictures right. taken. It's not like shooting a baseball game where there, there's there's going to be another home run. You know. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a hierarchy when it comes to weddings. You've got the five six hundred dollar wedding shooters who aren't making any money and they're not probably very good. You've got the mid level in the couple thousand dollars for a wedding, which are, you know, they'll do an okay job. They'll get the job done. You've got the people that are 15, $20,000 wedding photographers that are making fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 a wedding. And they are the creme de la creme of the, 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 the wedding industry. But it doesn't mean that one's right. One's wrong. There's, there's a price point for every, you know, every wedding. And, not everybody's going to spend 5 grand not everybody can do it so sometimes they find the $1000 photographer and does the, is the quality reflected in that a lot of the times yes the quality is reflected better in that
2: better lighting better locations these kind of things
0: well, more creative just
1: yeah just they know what they're doing they they've done it longer they can capture the angles better they can they can light it better they 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 know how to interact with the subject they run the day because a good wedding photographer is literally running the day because the last thing you want to have happen is you know, you start shooting sometimes at seven, eight in the morning when, when they're getting their make. the women are getting their makeup done and you're with them longer than anybody else throughout the day. And so if you don't keep it on track early, then everything gets off track. And it's really shouldn't be your job to keep track of the time, but it is your job to keep track of the time because no one else is going to do it. So you take control. So no wedding photography is, is the thing that I did to afford me the, the, ability to focus on Frono's photo in 2010. I I did weddings, and I was a mid-level, not mid-level, I would charge no less than three grand, you know, it was anywhere between $3,500 and $4,000 for a wedding, and my ideal wedding was to do a, a shoot and, you know, shoot and burn, or like a, which is basically you shoot the wedding, and then you deliver the files, and you're done. I, I would still edit the files, right? I would still edit my RAW files and give them the the keeper images, but I wouldn't worry about doing albums, and because I knew albums always took so much time, they they never done they never get done for a year because they never finish selecting everything. And yeah, so I, I liked making three thousand dollars on a day or thirty five hundred, and I would pay my second shooters, which and I would have them run the day mostly. I'd give them like five hundred bucks cash, just pay them right there and be done. Um, that's the stuff that helped me. Build, build Frono's photo out, having those that money from weddings.
0: May I submit that a wedding photographer ends up becoming such an important person on that day that it almost takes, it, it probably would al- almost be one of the more difficult jobs for a photographer simply because I remember our photographer literally helped was more of a wedding planner on the day because he helped move us through the day because the day was dictated around the photos and the photos are such an important part of the day where like the true mvp of a wedding uh we opted to not do a videographer we just wanted stills and uh our photographer asaf did such an amazing job and like you said from the very first you know, uh, uh, break of light in the morning, he was there doing the, ma- the makeup and da da da. And you just build a rapport with the person. And uh, my wife was was just so happy to have this amazing photographer around because he literally helped in many ways more than the actual wedding planner did.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, that's true. Um, my photographer, there's there's this uh, photographer, Vanessa Joy, she's a high level wedding photographer makes a lot of makes bank doing that stuff, started making YouTube videos a couple of years ago. um, And I definitely helped mentor her on that side. Um, But before she started doing that, we were on a panel on a stage at an event. And she questioned, should I be considered a photographer if I don't take paying jobs? Right? Um, And that's, and that's the thing that we were talking about earlier about Well, I choose not to do it because I don't need to. I'm like, doesn't mean I'm no less of a photographer because I don't have to struggle getting jobs, right? I think that's the ultimate for a photographer. And, you know, look at her, we talk now and she's like, I'm trying to transition to making more off of the YouTube world and the products that I make so that I don't have to spend as much time on the road doing these weddings because you can start to see how you can build the business because um, it is a business and and that's the thing that many people forget. And, I, and that's what I, I'm happy to share is the business aspect of it because not everybody is capable of running a business to have a successful YouTube channel or content creation
0: channel. Which brings us to an interesting point that I wanted to bring up with you. Everybody in this room... Uh, has had pretty long lasting established channels with varying levels of success over a long period of time. Over the past year, year and a half, um, everybody in this room and a lot of other content creators, established content creators that I know, have gone through months where you're starting to get zero, zero gain months in your subscriber base. You're literally seeing months where you do all the same things that we used to do. And maybe for the first time, we're starting to see month after month sometimes, or like just. Periodically, months where you're doing all of the stuff that you do and you're not getting any growth as far as subscribers are concerned. Does that weigh on you? Do you think about it or do you care?
1: Yeah. So we leveled off around 3,500 to 4,000 subscribers a month. That's where it leveled off to. Um, Going back a bunch of years, it was 20,000 a month. Then it was 18, and then 15, and then it started to taper. And then you're like, then I got to the point where I realized it wasn't just me, and it was across the board that a lot of the subscriber growth had 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 changed, um, and I stopped worrying so much about the subscriber growth and started focusing more on, per video, the amount of views that we would get. Because if our views are still continuing to grow or be, on average, similar, then that means we're still doing something right. And if they're choosing—I I just think YouTube took away the focus from subscribers— and put it on to other things. And for me, the biggest metrics, and I tell this to companies when they're like, well, this person has 1.9 million subscribers. And you're like, well, their last video had 7,000 views. Like, are you looking at the right metrics? The right metrics are watch time and views, actual views. But watch time... Is goes hand in hand with that because you could have a million views but three second watch time. But if you got you got like fifty sixty percent watch through rate on stuff, you're like okay, that's valuable content. Uh, but yeah, it absolutely does weigh on it weighs on me. Um, I think I've been good as of late. Uh, you know, I chose to start following the PBA tour and jumping out on the road every other week and flying out and doing actual actual photography, which is great, which then still turns into content. Um, but that helped my editors not to have to worry that I'm going to call them and be like, what am I supposed to do with my day? Which is what I do. I call Steven. I'm like, Steven, what am I supposed to do today? I know it's my business, but I'm like, Steve, is there anything I'm supposed to do? He's like, well, I could tell you there's things to do, but you're not going to do them anyway. I'm like, well, that's true. Cause I have a list of stuff to do. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it right. I could write a script on something. That doesn't mean I want to do it. So, you know, it's that you got to, you know, fight with yourself.
0: Do you spend much time thinking about what's next for YouTube or is it just kind of in a place where it's like, I know what I need to do. I, I, I have series which allow me to fit, you know, a, a new piece of equipment in or a new kind of thought. How often do you kind of stray from that and try something completely different for the sake of doing something different? Or are you just kind of comfortable in the space in the series that you are Wolf. doing?
1: That's a good question because we're always looking to evolve. You're always looking for what I call a, a staple piece of content. Photo news fix turned into a staple piece of content. It's our most viewed weekly thing. You know, you get anywhere from depending on the month or the the the, the title of the video, seventy to hundred thousand views, and and that's a staple piece of content, and it makes us good revenue because I can sell ads at the beginning of it, and if we're doing about forty eight to forty nine of those a year. Uh, in terms of, you know, we've got 52 weeks to do. We're not going to do it. The end of the year is usually when we taper some off. Um, but if we can fit in two to three paying ads a month out of four, you know, we're, we're building some, some big revenue. We're always looking for another piece of staple content to create. Do we try a video for us every once in a while? We do, and they sometimes flop and they do terrible. Um, could I do more experimenting? Could I do more? Could I try shorts and do those? Sure. We're actually working on, I've recorded audio for one today, but it felt like the right fit, right? I'm not forcing it. It feels like something that I wanted to do. So we're doing it. I'm not just going to make a short because that's the thing to do right now. Um, But is it the thing to do right now? It's like, it gets quiet. It's like a lot of things get quiet again. For a while they work, like reels, Instagram reels. For a while they were juicing it, You would get like a hundred thousand on a reel and then you look back now and you're like on new ones, you're like, wait, 11,000, 12,000 views. You're like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Um, and like, I got reels. They're like, we want to pay you for reels. We'll pay you up to $8,300 if you get 83 million views in the next 30 days. (laughs) It literally said 83 million views. (laughs) I'm like, so you're telling me I get like a 10, a penny of view? Like, how does this even work? They're just, they're, they're, they're shitting into the, into the wind, man. So, and like the photo news fix is
2: pretty easy content. It must be easy for you to produce, right?
1: As long as there's news stories, as long as there's one staple not staple, as long as there's one solid, uh, anchor piece of news each week that can give us a good title. Yeah. We, we know what titles are going to work have a better, better potential to work than others. If there's no gear related thing in the title, it's very difficult to have a good video. Um, Is that you that
2: does the research that finds the topics that you're going to talk about? Yeah. I pull
1: up all my news, all, all the websites. And Um, how
2: much, how much time does that take you to, to do the research, to write the script, script, shoot it and all, all of that? Is that like a one day thing?
1: No, no. A couple hours. Wow. I can write a script. I can bang out a script in 30 minutes if I'm focused. You know, I put in my headphones. I literally, this is my method of, of being able to focus is I've got to put in noise-canceling headphones, listen to mellow focused music like explosions in the sky type. It's all instrumental. That unlocks my brain, I've discovered, to allow me to focus on what I'm doing. And I can bang out the script. Uh, and then I go and I film it myself downstairs. Uh, it takes about anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes of runtime to get the script to, to do it. Um, and I run the teleprompter myself. I have to, you know, if I screw up, I've got to go over to the computer and hit back one second and then I have a foot pedal. Um, but yeah, about 12 to 15 minutes of of record time. And then the editing takes a
2: day and a half. Let me ask you just a nuts and bolts question on that teleprompter, because I'm always curious about that. What, how do you, do you shoot that on your is that a teleprompter on your camera, or are you're using like a webcam or something?
1: Oh no no it's a we have a we have a Canon R5 with a 28 to 70 f2, and it's a big teleprompter from Prompter People. Uh, that one's I think a 27 inch screen. I'm blind. I have trouble seeing, and so I need to. Um, have the biggest text possible we actually have it at 138 point text is gives us the right line and the right speed like i fi- we figured it out over the years that i need to be uh aerial narrow bold so it's aerial narrow <laughs> well, bold what's 138 and the speed, and what's point, the, speed? Uh, the speed's like five or six out of ten okay um and then yeah so i i've gotten good at doing it it gives us like three or four maybe three lines because it's big but the one that I have up here behind me that you guys can't see right now is like a 32 inch teleprompter Um, yeah and just so that people know uh, most of my videos are not scripted Uh, only the photo news fix and some of the uh, we just we called it the Bernie set, which is behind me, which is where I sit and do recorded stuff. We know. So what's cool about scripted videos is one, I can stay on point. Right. And we can limit the time. It's not going on for 30 minutes where I'm doing a review of a lens, which is all off the top of my head. And I've got some notes in front of me, but that's not scripted at all. But the scripted videos, you can control the speed, the length. Sometimes they're six, seven minutes. And then when you write a script, you know that you can build it around a specific topic or title. So you know that Goodbye Sony is going to be a tremendous title. So as long as you mention Goodbye Sony in in your script, then it's going to be a, it's going to get people plus I can choose my words and I can stay on point and it, it's a different take on us. So those are a good piece of content that when I write scripted videos, because you control the narrative, you're, sc- you're, you're literally crafting it around the title because you know that it go- you know that that title is going to work. Then you have to figure out the thumbnail and stuff.
0: Do you think about the trajectory of uh, your video content in the future? Independent of YouTube. Have you thought about kind of where you are on your YouTube arc? Um, And do you have any plans for like what your content and what your, yeah, what your content looks like outside of what has become so familiar, which is like, well, these are the YouTube videos,
1: the bowling stuff. I'm working on something with the bowling stuff. That, that takes us out of YouTube, but it also still integrates YouTube because as a selling point for whatever we're creating is I've got 1.37 million subscribers and I can do a behind the scenes of the behind the scenes, which can showcase what's happening behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. So I, you know, I, you know, you think about, would you, are you still doing this in 10 years? And it's like, I fucking hope, I mean, yes, I hope to, but I hope not in the same way I, I, I always want to create, but it's just you want to get to a, a comfortability place, right, where you, you know that you're in a good spot. I just know we, do ch- we have to chase certain numbers, right? We got to sell presets to be accustomed to the lifestyle that has been created, right, for my employees and for myself. Um, and to, sell it's
2: those, not too- to sell those presets, you need YouTube.
1: Well, to sell it, yes, because again, every video, I I tell people this, every video you make is an advertisement for you and you should take advantage of that because it's free. I mean, the trade is YouTube takes some ad revenue, but they give you free storage. I mean, got 30 some hundred videos. Did I pay anything for storage? No, no. Just the fee that that YouTube has taken from me is a couple hundred thousand dollars in ad revenue because I looked at the number yesterday. The lifetime ad revenue is about eight, is it $800,000, my take home revenue, which means uh... Which means they take they took forty five percent already, which means that I've made 1.4 million dollars total maybe through ad revenue, which is really good, but that's across 12 years and what's really sad is that there's uh, you know channels that make that every month it's not <laughs> yeah. sad it's just
0: like damn it I want to make one point <laughs> four million every month frustrating um- you, For the people who are listening to this podcast, because Jared's such a great example of a, a treasure chest of excellent tips and tricks and best practices, I did want to state that you were the first person that I remember watching who managed to get their full name out and their website address out within the first five seconds of the video. And as much as that became something where over the years, YouTube even kind of like encouraged people, it's like, hey, kind of get your, whatever, elevator pitch out in the front. You crystallized that, and you ended up doing such a good job by like adding a cadence to it and just kind of like the way you put that together. I watched some of your older videos before uh, before this podcast, and you said the same thing, but it was uh, it was it was just a little bit longer, and yeah. and it progressed, and you worked at it, you worked at it, and you worked at it. Did you did you know that it was probably the smartest thing to do is to have 3,200 videos, which literally all start out with your full name and your website address, or was it just like it just felt right? So that's what you did.
1: Uh, I think it felt right at the beginning. I think part of it was uh, there was you know. Gary Vaynerchuk making wine library TV videos at the beginning. And he was just like, Gary Vay- you know Vaynerchuk here with the wine, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then I just was like, Jared in Fronos photo. And so I do it twice in a video. Once at the beginning, once at the end. Uh, so part of it is branding. You're going to remember my website. You're going to remember my name. So I don't have people come up to me and get my last name wrong anymore. Like I did in school, Poland, Poland, you know, Poland. know, I'm like, I'm not a country, you know, but it's like the country, but spelled differently. So Poland. And so that, that's been one of the benefits is that people get my name, right. And you know, it's interesting, you know, all these YouTube, uh, they do the, the closed captioning thing, right? And remember, they, they would push that for a while. Oh, that was a
2: huge there for a while. Yeah, they really wanted you oh, to do that.
1: But now they now they go back and they troll all the videos themselves and create <laughs> an almost perfect yeah. uh, captioning for every video. And so you go back to my original videos, now they're captioned. So that should help with search. It doesn't really help with search. You think it would. You think with all those times that I've said stuff that you would, you would rank for certain things, but I'd, maybe they're not maybe they're not trolling the vi- trawling the videos yet to that extent where they're pulling out keywords and putting and using that in search uh, as a as a as a as a
0: algorithmic thing you use Instagram quite a bit you're uh, kinda kinda i enjoy that now on Instagram or at least i've noticed recently that you're uh more comfortable with sharing your opinions outside of photography, be them politically motivated or socially motivated, or whatever the case may be, uh, it's a fine line. Yeah, and I've also noticed recently that you clearly get backlash for it and whatnot, which is which is interesting. Um, what is what is your thought on using your platform for things outside of people or things outside of the realm that people kind of? signed up for if you, uh,
1: you know, we're all humans, right? And you speak up this is that speak up thing or don't speak up thing that I talked about a while back with the with the photographer treating the model poorly. Um, certain things I'm going to talk about other things are just lightning rods that you don't do. Um, and then sometimes you just throw yourself in the mix. And then I don't read the comments because I don't care. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. You know, it, it, it when, when Black Lives Matter. Um, the marches were happening and the black squares were happening. I sat here and I would talk to Steven and I'm like, I don't want to put up a black square. Like one, what does a black square do to help someone? And it just feels like virtue signaling where I'm just hopping on board. I can do something different. And that's what been my whole thing is like, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I didn't feel that a black square was going to change anything other than it will disappear in a couple of days because it's, it's just a thing. It's what the, what the, the wokest young, not just young people, but the this gen, this Xenials generation Z, they just nonstop jump to a new topic, a, a, a new thing that they're upset about this week and then bounce off to the thing next week to something else, and they're all experts. You know, you're not a fucking expert.
2: Slactivism, right?
0: They've already acknowledged the Black Lives Matter movement by posting a black square, so they can move on to whatever yeah. the next <laughs> week. <laughs> but,
1: they, but they become a, uh, they become an expert in, yeah, being black. And you're not actually you're a you're a Jewish, wealthy kid who grew up somewhere, and you're just you're not an uh, the, the the term ally it's like there's a term for everything and i'm not saying that it's wrong i'm not saying that that terms change over years and meanings change which they absolutely do and we and we all learn from that like you don't say you don't sit indian style right right that's hmm. chris and i and for a while i'm like what well, we always called it that i'm like but well you know what we shouldn't have been calling it that <laughs> right. right yeah things change right it, you get you start to learn But you shouldn't just be buried. You should be educated and informed. Um, And, and it's, it's just that I just don't like, I I don't like the term ally at all. I don't like certain terms because like, well, you don't know what they're going through and it's okay to be a, a sounding board, but you're not an expert in this thing because you, posted some Instagram stories and so it's just a fine line that people not even a fine line I just think people need to to we we all have gone through this like with 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 Facebook and, and the elections and 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 how they perpetuated lies and it's just you just need to be fucking smart and not be dumb and don't fall for the bullshit yeah so in terms of me sharing some personal things like the Bernie stuff was of course something that
2: yeah well he's just a lightning rod anyway that set
1: people off but the thing is like i'm a photographer who so happened to be photographing bernie right and then they're like well would you have photographed trump if he asked you yeah i would have and i probably wouldn't have lasted too long because i probably would have opened my (laughs) mouth right but but sometimes you know so you still can be in situations photographing like I may still go out on the campaign trail and I have no problem photographing a republican and showing them in the light that they are being truthful about it doesn't mean I have to speak up I don't always have to be the one that says something but if something is so egregious that that you need to then then you then you do and you don't worry about the rest like I'm not working for an organization I work for myself so I'm not getting fired you know I can say what I want to say it's just it just gets frustrating when people are like, stay in your lane, or you shouldn't be talking about this. I'm like, no, I'm going to talk about it. I do a lot of comment I think the, the one that bugs
2: me is your silence is deafening. You know, like oh, if you no, don't say I something, it's, it's just as bad, you know. It's, no, it's just you want me to say what you want.
1: Right. I have these people that are like, well, you've been sharing photos from um, – you, they're Ukraine right you've been sharing a lot of the photos from there and I don't say anything I just share these insane photos and then you get people like well you don't say anything about Palestine or yeah. Israel what they're doing and I'm like no I don't agree with a lot of what Israel does but I'm not I don't live in Israel right and if you care so much about Israel then go fucking live there they'll be more than happy to have you live there do I think that Israel should be blowing up settlements and encroaching on certain areas no I never do. I think they should just get the fuck along
2: and get over this 2,000-year bullshit. Well, and just because you're, you're talking about one thing or supporting one thing doesn't mean that you have to support everything all at once, because it's impossible. You see this when people make public donations to something, you know, I'm going to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and they're like, well, yeah, but why don't you use your money to support some cancer research, or why aren't you using your money to do this or that? It's like, well, you can't do everything, so you just pick the one thing that you can you can focus it, on. I don't I try not to worry about it. Yeah. You know,
1: I'm going to share what I'm going to share, you know, doing the 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 Supreme Court stuff, posting something the other day. So be it. You know, I I how do I feel about our government and our elections? Yeah, I don't think that there should be an electoral college. Right? Why 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 is my vote less valuable than someone's vote in Topeka, Kansas? Why are there more you know, why is the senator why are senators even? It should be based on population. And President, Why is the presidential election based off of this electoral college when every other election is the person that gets the most votes wins?
0: But, Jared, you're just supposed to give us free photography lessons yeah. on YouTube <laughs> and shut up about all this other stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I don't give a fuck. I've always spoken up. <laughs> we just and want your photographs care. of bowlers.
0: I miss the old Jared that didn't talk about politics.
1: Yeah, I um, I, I, I stopped following bowl. you a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, here I am watching your video. <laughs> here I am watching the Still hate
0: watching you all these years yeah, later. I was like, Thank you. So
1: I do that these days. Is uh, there's some really bad comments that come in, and then I reply to them with really bad comments, and then I screen grab them and post them on Instagram because I just like going back through those and and being like, you know, this, the, the mo- there was like a really backhanded comment, and I'm sure we got to go in a minute for you guys, but there was a recent, there was just a really bad comment, and I and I and I just changed the words and said it back to them the same way about something. And it was just, and then posted it and people were like, well, why do you feed the trolls? I'm like, "Ah, fuck them. Who cares? Every (laughs) once in a while, I wanted to put someone in their place. It's funny. And uh, well, you're just giving them more power to say things. I'm like, no, not really. No, it's not like that why sit silent someone's gonna say stupid shit tell them stupid shit back to them yeah the thing someone said was it was a backhanded compliment like oh this is the first time i think i've ever actually thought any of your photos were good from that you did
2: <laughs> so that's what they said passive aggressive that,
1: that's what they said and they posted that and i'm like yeah you can and i said you can kindly go fuck yourself <laughs> and, posted it. and it was just and they're like well why do you do that and i'm like because why not do that oh. right
0: You didn't say just go fuck yourself. You said kindly. Kindly. Yeah, it was kind.
1: What the word kindly? Hey,
2: Jared, it it was great catching up with you again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me again.